Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We should be generous not just here and among for the work of God here, but God will give you opportunities beyond here just to be a generous person. And some of you know people that are just generous. You know, I know people that if they see a need and they can help, they're going to help because it's who they are. They're just generous people. Generous people don't have to be rich people, right? We just could be, just have a heart of, of giving, a heart of generosity, a heart to help other people that are in need. I believe that when we walk like that, we're, we're walking like Jesus. Jesus was generous. You don't have to be rich to give generously. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he sheds light on what it means to give. Giving isn't set aside only for those who are wealthy. Giving is a matter of the heart and includes all people. Whenever you see a need and provide help or support, that's giving. Giving can be of your time, resources, and talents. What has God given to you that you could bless others with? Maybe it's hosting a small group at your house. Have a generous heart. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 as he continues his message, The Grace of Giving. You guys look at chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians and I just want to give this brief background for those that may be joining us for the first time. The Corinthian church had heard about the Jerusalem church. The Jerusalem church was poor and impoverished and in need. When the Corinthian church heard about it, they were stirred up and they were like, hey, they were excited to, to we're going to help. We're going to raise an offering to help that church out. A year has gone by and they haven't done what they said they were going to do. Now, when they were excited about it, the one of the another church that was poor, the Macedonian church, they got excited because the Corinthians got excited. Now they've already given their part. So it would be like somebody getting up this morning. Um, they set their clock back. You didn't. They, they called you, woke you up. Oh, yeah, you'll just be there at 11 o'clock. I'm going to be at church. And they got you all. You, you know what? I'm going to go today. And you're here. But they're not here yet. You'd be looking around like, where are they at? You know, that's essentially what's happened here. The, the Macedonians, they've moved on what the Corinthians excited them about. But the Corinthians haven't done what they committed to do yet. So um, part of this is written to encourage them to complete what they started, to keep the commitment that they made. So look at chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. It says, now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. And uh, that's a big old fancy word. It means that he's basically saying, you know, I, he's saying, I really don't have to tell y'all this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You know, it, it's, it's this is not necessary, but I'm going to do it anyway. For I know your willingness about which I boast to you, boast of you to the Macedonians that a KI was ready a year ago and your zeal has stirred up the majority so again, it was their zeal that stirred up others. Verse three, yet I have sent the brothers, least your boast, least our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Least if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. And so Paul said, look, we're going to come. The offering that you said you were going to prepare, you guys haven't done it yet, but I want you guys to be prepared before we get there. I may even have some Macedonians traveling with me. And how embarrassed would you be that the people you stirred up to give that gave already, when they show up, they find out you didn't give after all that, you know, after all that encouragement, you know, that, that you gave to me or whatever that, that you didn't follow through. And so, you know, Paul is using that to say, hey, guys, keep your commitments. And so I wrote under my notes under verses one through four, just be ready to give um, part of 
are giving it, you know, and he's going to talk about this more extensively that he said, just be, you guys be ready. You guys have it taken care of already. Don't let it be something that you do once I get there, but let it be something that you've already purposed and prepared to take care of. Look at verse five now. He says, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you have previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And so verse five, he gives a few principles on how to give. How how should giving from the Christian look? And he gives a few things. He said, I thought it necessary to exhort you that you would uh, to go to you ahead of time and prepare that you would prepare your generous gift. One thing that we should keep in mind when we're giving, giving should be something that's prepared beforehand. I've said this several times, but I'll say it again for the benefit of those that are just joining us. People shouldn't decide what they're going to give when they get to church. Right. It, you know, I, I know some churches that actually have a fundraiser pastor. They got a pastor that's the offering pastor, and he's really good at getting people to dig deep. You know, I wanted to crinkle, not jingle, you know. So there are guys that that's their that's their function. That's not really the heart, right? It's the goal of Christian giving isn't that we would get you guys here, really, you know, you know, uh, preach you into a frenzy that we, and then march you around and let y'all do it. And there are all these different tactics that people do. It really should be something that's settled at home. Um, it's something that every every family, every individual, every couple should at home look at. This is what God has blessed our family with. And this is what we're purposing. We're, we're intending. This is not it won't happen on accident. I'm planning ahead of time that this is going to go to the work of the Lord. This is what we're going to give. This is what we're going to give gladly. And it's different when you purpose in your heart to do something, you plan for it. Right. If you do a family vacation. You purpose. You got to plan ahead. You got to make sure you don't have to work during those days. You got to set money aside. You purpose to be able to do that so you can enjoy it. If some of us, if we wanted to have a vacation, if you didn't purpose in your heart or you didn't plan to do it, you wouldn't be able to because work could be calling and you wouldn't have the excess money, most of us, to just be able to do it. So it's something that takes planning. So we should purpose in our hearts what we're going to do. Um, it shouldn't be something, again, that's done once you get here that, um, you know, we're not I'm not going to have a fundraiser pastor. We're not going to get up here and run y'all around laps, you know. Told y'all last week, we're not going to let y'all give to get a brick, you know. We'll make a brick wall up here and put your name on the brick for everybody to give $500. And, you know, I, I know there's areas where chair, there's, there's some churches that people that give a certain amount of month, you get to sit in a certain section. So kind of like your credit cards, you know, you got you, you might get a gold card. And if you really got good credit, what you get? Platinum card. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I could, I could call the names. There are churches that have platinum partners. Like that means you give at this level every month. Those people get to meet with the pastor. They get to have a monthly lunch with the pastor. You gold, you know, you guys, you guys get to sit a little closer. Um, but that's about it. And I, that's just that's y'all know that's foolishness. Y'all know that's not right. Like I just I think of Jesus, right? Like Jesus didn't have platinum members. It was it was like I just don't know how they come up with these things. Like with a, having a Bible. You look, I look at Jesus, I look at his ministry, and I look at how much, how much of what Jesus did was giving and ministering and helping. And I just, I don't know where guys get those ideas, but I hope y'all know better. My goal, I don't know if you guys will be with me forever. You guys may move and go somewhere else and be so. I, I just hope that y'all leaving here would just know better than that, that you wouldn't be caught up in that, that you wouldn't get, you wouldn't be deceived or manipulated into some scenario like that where, you know, now you have given in a way where, you know, you gave 
you, you basically paid for your platinum seat. I don't even know if God is involved. I don't even know if God would look and say, like, he would be glad. You gave to have a platinum seat. You know, <laughs> like, if you come to church here, you get the seat you get when you get here. Come early if you want a different seat, you know. These front rows available for y'all, you know. So these are, the, these are our platinum row right here, you know. So, just kidding. <laughs> so, so how we give, we prepare beforehand, right? We purpose in our heart how we're going to do it. He says, he said in verse five that you would prepare your generous gift beforehand. Second, he tells them, you know, which you have previously promised and you would keep your commitment. Uh, everybody here should have there. There may be some of us have made commitments at times. Maybe you've said, you know what? I want to be faithful with this. And you've fallen off. You want to get back to a place where you keep your commitments. As believers, we may in a good place commit to do things and then fall short. That could be with giving. That could be with your devotional life. Clint was talking about the Bible reading. This is I know at the beginning of the year, there are people that say, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to do it. And around Leviticus, y'all, y'all just got to jump back on now. You know, you got to get back, join us again. You know, it's not too late, but you know, you can make a commitment, which is good, but then it's only beneficial if you keep the commitment that you made. That would be with every area of spiritual life, your giving, your devotional living, you know, your prayer life and elsewise. So you should keep the commitments that you make. And lastly, he says in verse five, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not a begrudging obligation. So God doesn't want it to be something done uh, out of a begrudging obligation, but out of the generosity, out of your heart. And so I was really thinking that through like, what's a good analogy or good way to describe that, right? God doesn't want me to give like it's a begrudging obligation. So this is to me, you know, when I think of a begrudging obligation, I think of my bills. My bills come, I open up the mail, and I'm looking to see what I got, and I got bills. Did anybody get bills and say, yes, no? If you get a check, you're like, yes, you know? But most of the time, it's bills. You see them, it's like, man, they're there, and, and I have to deal with them. I got I to gotta go back to them. I throw them down when I get them. I, I usually get them, I look at them, and I throw them down a few times just because I don't like them. It is a begrudging. If I could not give it, I would not give it. I, do, do I give extra? When I pay my bills, if it's $39.08, I don't give 39.10. You get eight cents. You get you get exactly the that's it. When I don't want to give you that, that's a begrudging. I have to do it. That's not how we're supposed to give. Amen. We understand that. That's a begrudging obligation. God said, don't do it like that. You might as well keep it. Right. That's the, there's something there's something disconnected between you and the Lord. If you give to God like that, that's not how it's supposed to go. He says, I want it to be a begrudging obligation. I want it to be out of um, a matter of generosity. And I was thinking about that, like, God, how do how do you give generously? How does that happen? Like, how does someone that may be struggling financially themselves, doesn't have a whole lot of excess cash or money? How do you give generously in under those scenarios? And this is what I thought of. Right. In my own life. When I think of, you know, when I've been able to give generously gladly, you know, uh, I think of if I'm doing something for my wife, I'm in love with my wife. So if I'm buying something for my wife, I don't I've never bought something for my wife and felt like I'm spending that much money on her. You know, I usually feel like if I had more, I would spend more. And it doesn't matter. It's not a it's not a begrudging. I've never bought something for her that I didn't feel like I was happy to give it to her. Same with my, my kids or whatever. Those aren't begrudging obligations. I'm glad to be able to give those things. I'm blessed. I can't wait to give it and see, you know, see her see when she gets the things that she's getting or whatever. You know, like that's when you're in love, that's how you give. And I believe that being able to give like that way to the Lord, it, it ends up coming back to our relationship with the Lord. 
And that's why, you know, the whole idea of giving is not really for a non-believer. If you're hearing non-believer, wait to the end of the message. There's something for you there. You know, God wants to save you. He wants to draw you to himself. But for us as believers, it's as we understand who he is and what he's done for us that as, as we fall in love with the Lord, it's, it's not a burden. It's not a begrudging obligation. It's a blessing. You know, I'm glad to be able. And, and I, I'm sure most of us here have given in a way where we've been able to give and we were excited to give it. You know, we were we were looking. You know, I couldn't wait to see the look on a certain body's face when they got it or whatever. You know, I've had the privilege of doing that sometimes. I think that's God said that's the heart, not a begrudging obligation, but as a matter of generosity. And so moving on now, look at verse six. He says, but this I say. He who sows sparingly will also, I'm sorry, he who sows sparingly, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so here he gives us, you know, it's a, it's a some people think it's a law, call it a law, some people think it's a principle of, of sowing and reaping. Here he says, look, if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. It says this in the context of giving, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And so I'm not taking this away. He's, we're in the, the context here is talking about giving, talking about being generous, talking about not doing out of obligation. And I believe this is said as a matter of fact. This isn't my motivation for giving, but it's a matter of fact. Look, if you sow sparingly, God says you're going to reap sparingly. You know, what does it look like to sow sparingly? And I, I, I had a great uh, analogy for this. When, when we first got the building, how many of you guys remember when we first got the building? Those three little patches of grass was all yellow. They wasn't even grass. It was three patches of really tall yellow weed something or another and it had bottles and all kind of stuff was in there when we got it chopped down you know I could have sold some of that stuff so you know but when we got it that's how it was and I remember you know like okay we're gonna get that together and uh, we were trying to figure out what to do whatever and um now at my house um our lawn is it's all jacked up it was like it was like that when we got it and at one point I thought I'm gonna buy some seed and I'm gonna put the seed down so I bought the seed and I didn't realize till I got home that the amount of seed I bought wasn't really sufficient for the amount of grass I needed to cover. So I, I put it out sparingly. I, I did it, you know, I just did it. I, everywhere got a little bit and it didn't really do it. it didn't, I didn't really get much out of it. You know, I like, I, I watered it and watered it. And my wife was like, if nothing's happening, it's just still mud there. It's just, it never, it never really took, you know, uh, it didn't, it didn't really spring a few spots and maybe a dump more on accident. It was like some grass sprouted up. But for the most part, it, I was a total failure on that. And so, when it came to doing this grass, I went and asked the people at Home Depot in the garden section, and they told me to get the same seed. I'm like, well, I did that. So now you, I told them how much grass is for each piece of grass, get this much. So I bought more than enough. And I came out here, and I, and I started doing the first section, the second session, the third part, and I was doing a little more sparing. I was being stingy with the seeds, and I had two bags left over. And I was sick of going to Home Depot, so rather than take the bags back, I went ahead and sprayed them all out there. Now... In a matter of a month, how many of you guys have been seeing the grass? It'd be like three foot tall, you know, but it's green, though. Now the, the grass and outgrew the weeds, you know, whatever. And it grew. I had to, um, you know, I, I was out there with the weed whacker trying to whack it down. And I seen the gardener next door. He's on a sit down mower. And I'm like, dude, can you just can you just keep going? <laughs> and he did it for me. He rolled on through. So uh, he did come back looking for money, though. But, uh, you know, that's why it's so low right now. But I remember the difference. It was it was the same seed. But I sold it here and it got watered regularly here because the sprinklers here or whatever. But it just sprouted up. Boom. You know, grass grew green. It was looking great. I still ain't my, now. Harmony is looking at homes like, Dad, can you do at home what you did at church? Like, just a lot more seed is going to cost us, you know. But the idea here, as Paul shares this, look, if you sow sparingly, 
you're going to reap sparingly. Reap what? Whatever, in whatever way God blesses. I, I believe that the, the idea of sowing and reaping is a biblical, I think it's, I believe it's a principle. I think that if, you know, Paul in one of his, don't be deceived, like Galatians 6, 7, don't be deceived. Whatsoever a man sows, he said, that you shall also reap. You know, in another place, if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You know, you're, you're going to reap what you sow. What you put out comes back to you. Now, if I'm sowing money, if I'm sowing in terms of I'm giving generously, God's blessing back on my life. God's God may bless me materially. God's blessing on my life may not be material. God's blessing on my life. It may be that I'm content. It may be that I have peace. There, there are things that God does in our life. There are ways that God blesses our lives that there are things that God does for us that money can't buy. And for me, there are times I've had, I've been blessed at periods of my life to have excess. And I've been blessed at periods of my life to have contentment with not a lot, you know. And in either case, I can't say I wasn't blessed. You know, I can't say that, you know, I was more blessed in. Um, there was a point when my wife and I were both working. I was working at a church. She was a principal at a school. Her paycheck was like was was way, way bigger than mine. So we used to literally my checks would come and we would get one check. And it was like it wasn't worth going to the bank yet. Then we get a second check. And I remember I see my checks sitting there. It was like my checks weren't worth going. They weren't worth the trip to the bank until there were three or four of them. You know, I wasn't offended because, you know, her payday was like that was like my it was every time she got paid. When her check hit the bank, I could go buy my electronics. It was like, yes, it was like Christmas. I was I didn't. I enjoyed that was a great time for us right we had we had an abundance we had excess right but here's the cool thing I don't look back to that period and say we were so blessed then and now we're not you know I, I don't feel like we were more blessed then we had more stuff then we had more liberty with our resources or money then but we weren't more happy my marriage wasn't better then my kids weren't happier it wasn't like that didn't make us we were like the blessing of God is, is, is abounds in my life in different ways. And at that period, that was a blessing. We enjoyed it. I wouldn't be mad if he did it again. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it's y'all understand what I'm saying? Like that doesn't make everything. It's like it was cool. It was cool while it lasted. It was cool for that season. But we're a blessed people. And I believe that that's important for us to understand that, you know, if I don't think that God wants us to get to a place where we're giving, which some people promote. You know, I'm giving like an investment. I'm giving so that God will give back to me. I think that's not the, the heart. You know, I'm not investing in God. I'm, I'm giving generously. God, however you bless my life. Right? I'm already blessed that I have something to give in the first place. But however you bless me beyond that. So, you know, it, he says, if you sow, you know, sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. So bountifully, you reap bountifully. Again, what we reap, it might be material, it might be spiritual. That's between, that's up to the Lord. You know, I don't think that that we're to concern ourselves with that. But there is a blessing on being a generous person. I think we can take that away from this. And God said, look, I do bless those that are, are generous. And so generosity doesn't begin and end at church, right? We should just be a generous people in general. We should be generous, not just here and, and among for the work of God here, but God will give you opportunities beyond here just to be a generous person. And some of you know people that are just generous, you know, I know people that if they see a need and they can help, they're going to help because it's who they are. They're just generous people. Generous people don't have to be rich people, right? We just could be, just have a heart of, of giving, a heart of generosity, a heart to help other people that are in need. I believe that when we walk like that, we're, we're walking like Jesus. Jesus was generous. When Jesus walked into areas and there were needs, he, he did, he met them. Now, he had some divine resources, you know, he could multiply loaves and fish and all that kind of stuff. But I just know he met needs. You know, he fed hungry people. 
You know, he helped people out that were in need. You know, he, he had a heart for people. And so I believe that God would want us to be that way, to have that kind of heart, a heart of generosity. We live in a world that's very selfish and people aren't looking to give. They're looking to get. I mean, it's a mindset, you know, that I believe God would have his kids be in a place where we, we, we recognize whatever we've been blessed with. But we're looking we're looking to be a blessing. We're looking to see how we can minister to other people. Amen. And so verse uh, seven now, he says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And before I, 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 I jump into those things, you know, real quick, just there's a, a few promises in Scripture concerning, you know, what God will do for those that those that are generous, you know, Philippians. In the context of the Philippians having generous hearts and what they were doing, that's the context where we get Philippians 4, 13, where God says, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You read that, you go read that whole section 15 through, you know, through 19, and you'll find that it's in the context of them being generous as they're sharing, as they're ministering. God says, I'm going to make sure that I'll, I'll supply all your needs too. you guys will have what you need. I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. I always tell people this. I talk to people that are struggling and they're not having enough money for different things. And, you know, God will say, I'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Y'all know sometimes we can take what God supplied for our need and waste it on our wants. And then we'd be looking like, God didn't meet my needs. Y'all know, y'all, I'm not saying y'all do that, but some, them, some other people in some other churches on Sunday morning, they do that. So we want to be good stewards of what we've been given. And here's a cool thing, right? If I take what God gives me and I go spend it wastefully, that's not being a good steward over what God gave me. Now, here's the thing. And I'm, I am convinced of this and I don't say this to be self-serving, but I'm convinced of it. And I've done this. So if I, God supplied my needs, I have everything I need. And if I give in generosity, be it to the work of the Lord, be it to help someone in need of that, I believe that in that context, God will supply me with more. I didn't take that and use it. I didn't go buy some Jordans. You know, I didn't go, I didn't take that and go, you know, buy some, 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 some gizmo or gadget. That's what I like. I like gizmos and gadgets and stuff, you know. But if that went to some form of God, there was a need that came up. I had it. I believed you wanted me to do it. So lamb. I believe that God will take care of that. He'll supply all my need according to his riches and glory. And it's in the context of generosity. In Matthew 19, 29, Jesus said, everyone, who, everyone who's left houses and brothers and sisters and fathers or mothers or wives or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And he's speaking about those that gave up things to follow him. That, that he said, I'm going to take care of that. Something else I thought of before we look at all of what I want to look at in verse 7. And this goes back to the Old Testament, but there are times where in the Old Testament, people had, but everything they had kept running out. It was like, you know, and it says it was like their pockets had holes in them. And it was because they weren't participating. They weren't giving to God's work. And this is what God says in Haggai. He says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? Um, and this temple lies in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts. Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it in a bag with holes. Um, your wages disappear, he says. And, and that's over in Haggai. I mean, your, your resources are running out because 
these guys had neglected. At that time, it was a temple. It was a work of God. They had neglected it. And God said, you guys, you guys are neglecting the important things. And so as we look at what he says in verse seven, he said, look, each one, let each one give. So first thing we know when it said, let each one give. First, it's each one, each person. Second Corinthians is a book that circles back to some things that were hit on in First Corinthians. There had been some sin within the church in between the first letter and this letter. The Corinthians had dealt with the sin and were moving past that, working toward unity and forgiveness. This is something that's easier said than done. The hard work is addressing sin, but sometimes the hard work that's required after that is choosing to forgive once the sin issue has been resolved. This is the best way for relationships to move forward after having a rift or any of these topics something that you can relate to in your life. Pointing out areas of sin, working at forgiving, and striving for unity? Of course they are. You're human. We like to come alongside you and be a support in these areas that you might be currently addressing. Would you text or call us and share where you are in the process? Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd be happy to listen and pray with you through these things. If you're in the area, it would be so great to meet you in person. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you'd like more info, go to CalvaryInglewood.org for our location and directions. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you in the days that we're living in. Join us again on A Transforming Word.